0: Welcome to the Vedic Mythology, Music, and Mantras podcast. I'm Ben Collins. This podcast takes an entertaining and informative look at some of the inspiring and humorous stories of India's Vedic tradition, followed by recordings of Vedic and other mantras being chanted by traditional Brahmin priests. Show notes and other materials can be found at puja.net, P-U-J-A dot N-E-T. Thanks for joining us. In this week's podcast, we're going to continue with the story of the Dandakaranya forest. Last week, we talked about the Rishi Shukracharya and saw what happened when King Danda ran off with Shukracharya's daughter, annoying Shukracharya, who then destroyed Danda, his kingdom, and turned the Dandaka forest into a haunted forest, a gathering place of demons for many, many years to come. And since mythology is intended to give us insight into the nature of things, it might be worth noting that Shukra is another name for Venus, the planet of femininity, culture, diplomacy, and beauty. But as we've seen, there's also a darker side to Venus, and that's pretty much unmatched in its destructive capabilities. All this destructive energy comes from Venus, Shukra, the feminine planet, and just maybe we have a glimpse of the mythological energy behind Shakespeare's observation that hell hath no fury as a woman scorned. The Dundaka forest was in fact twice cursed. There was a time when a famine struck in that area, and the Rishis there went to sage Gotama for help. He took them in, and they stayed in his ashram for several months, enjoying his hospitality and teachings, until the famine had lessened. And feeling a little homesick, they asked Gautama for permission to leave and return to Dandakaranya. But Gautama, knowing that these were not really great rishis, wanted them to stay for a while for a little more instruction. Well, this is not exactly what the rishis wanted to hear, so they hatched a plan to get even with Gautama. And they found an old cow who was on the verge of death and brought her to the ashram, where it wandered around for a few days very happily. One morning, Gautama was sitting outside performing a puja when the cow ambled over and attempted to eat a flower. Gautama simply pushed the cow's head away from the flower, but suddenly the cow the cow dropped over dead. The rishis, who had arranged this, raised a great hue and cry claiming that Gautama had committed the sin of Gohatya, and they stormed out of the ashram, which is what they had wanted to do in the first place. Gotama suspected something was up, and using his yogic powers determined the true story that the Rishis had been up to mischief in order to leave. So in his anger, and you never want to make a genuine Rishi angry, he again cursed the Dandaka forest to be dark and barren, until Rama himself set foot there. Now the story of Rama is told in the Ramayana, which described the events surrounding the time on earth of this incarnation of Vishnu, it's a great story, and a very, very long one. But in short, Rama had to leave his kingdom and live in the forest for 14 years with his wife Sita and brother Lakshman. While he was there, the demon Ravana stole Sita and took her to his kingdom in Lanka. The bulk of the very long story is Rama's quest to get Sita back with the help of his brother Lakshman and Hanuman, the monkey god. Well, as they left on their 14-year journey, Rama, Sita, and Lakshman met a very important Rishi by the name of Atri, who directed him to the Dandakarnya as a place where they could live privately, and that coincidentally was full of demons and rakshasas that needed to be eliminated. Now, Atri has a wife by the name of Anasuya, who is renowned for her spiritual perfection and power, and the interesting thing about these wives of the Rishis, just like the goddesses, is that they have huge power that is rarely seen, but when it comes out, It is absolutely unstoppable. Well, there was a time when Lakshmi, Saraswati, and Parvati, the wives of Vishnu, Brahma, and Shiva, were chatting and arguing amongst themselves who was the most pure. Well, the Rishi Narada overheard them and happened to mention that Anasuya was in fact far more pure than any one of them. So the goddesses sent their husbands over their own protestations, Vishnu, Shiva, and Brahma, to test her. Well, the three gods decided to assume the form of three wandering saints and went to Atri's ashram at a time when they knew that he would be gone. So they asked Anasuya, his wife, for hospitality and specifically for a meal. She readily agreed, as was the custom, and went to prepare food. But as she was about to serve it, they informed her that they had undertaken a very specific and secret type of fast that could only be broken when they were served food by someone who was naked. Well this was certainly not entirely proper, but Anasuya did not want to refuse hospitality to the sages, so she thought for a moment and in her mind's eye saw who the sages really were. Well, given her power and purity, it was not much for her to change Brahma, Shiva, and Vishnu into small babies, feed them while she herself was naked, and put them to bed. Of course, when her husband came home, he wanted to know who the babies were. Oh, she said, well, that's Shiva, that's Vishnu, and that's Brahma. And she told him the whole story. Well, he suggested that the universe might run better if she changed them back to their adult form. And so she did. And it's a certainly striking feature of the Vedic system that the power, the potential power of humans is so great. Certainly, humans can be weak and behave improperly and cause all sorts of trouble for themselves and the deities, but their ultimate potential is truly unlimited, and spiritual power is available to all and is gained through a combination of purity and self-effort. And here's one more Anasuya story. Sage Mandavya once cursed a friend of Anasuya by the name of Shandali. The curse was that she, Shandali, would become a widow one morning within the next ten days. Well, Mandavya was messing with the wrong woman because Shandali simply said, Well, if that's the case, then there will be no more dawn anymore. And she had the power to do it. Well, as you might imagine, this would upset the gods because it would mess up time. So they approached Anasuya for help, and she combined the period of those ten nights into one, and thus averted the widowhood of Shandali, and thus restored the dawn. So as Rama and Sita and Lakshman were going to enter the Dandakaranya forest, they first stopped at Atri's ashram. They enjoyed the hospitality of Atri and Anasuya, who described how the Dandaka forest contained many demons and ogres who would stalk and consume any wayward ascetics who might be out looking for fruit to eat. So Rama enters the forest, as the original text says, like a sun penetrating a mass of dark clouds. Soon they meet a huge demon, and in the original text, there's a great description of him as a dreadful man-eating ogre, a terrific voice, looking like a mountain peak, having deep eyes, a huge mouth, a fierce belly, despicable, uneven, tall, abnormal, presenting a terrible sight, wearing a tiger's skin wet with fat and sprinkled with blood, molesting all beings resembling a god of death with his mouth wide open tying three lions, four tigers, two wolves, ten spotted deer, and the big head of an elephant with tusks and wet with fat to an iron lance and roaring with a terrific voice. Now that's a proper demon, and his name is Virada. Well, he sees the three of them and quickly attacks, scooping up Sita. And in this verse, it has one of those great little asides that makes reading the original texts of these epics so much fun. It says that Virata attacked with great anger as Kala, the destroyer of people, attacks them. It's a wonderful image because Kala is time, and what is the one enemy of humans that we ultimately cannot defeat? Time. Time gets us all, and while we may postpone our passing away, eventually time always wins. Well, seeing that Rama and Lakshman are dressed in the bark clothing of ascetic sages, Virata thinks that he's found two monks walking into a dark forest with a beautiful woman, intending to do inappropriate things with her. So he thinks he's rescuing Sita, and he addresses Rama and Lakshman as sinners. Interestingly, Rama freezes at this moment, bemoaning his fate that he's lost his kingdom and now his wife. But Lakshman gets him focused again and they find out that the ogre is the son of Java and Shantarada and, of course, had performed long penance and obtained a boon from Lord Brahma that he cannot be hurt by a weapon, nor can he be cut or broken in two. He suggests that if Rama and Lakshman run away and leave Sita with him, he won't hurt them. Well, as you might imagine, Rama and Lakshman are having none of that and they attack but largely unsuccessfully because the ogre is protected by Brahma's blessings. And eventually the ogre stands up and Rama and Lakshman climb on his shoulders and the demon starts running off, crashing through the forest at a great speed. While well, Sita, seeing that she's about to be left alone in the forest, cries out, Wait, don't, don't forget me, take me too. And the demon pauses and at that point, Rama and Lakshman break his arms and he falls down. Rama and Lakshman beat the ogre with their fists, arms, and kicks, lifting him up and crashing him down over an ogre, but the ogre would not die. So they decide to bury him, and Lakshman goes off to dig a pit while Rama stands with his foot on the neck of Virata. As he's lying there, Virata has an epiphany and explains to Rama that due to a curse, what else? He has entered the fierce form of the ogre, but he is really a Gandharvan, a celestial musician, by the name of Tumburu. But tumburu had made a mistake and had not served Kubera, the god of money, properly, and Kubera had cursed him to be born as a demon until he would be killed by Rama. Well, this is particularly interesting because Ravana, the ten-headed demon who eventually kidnaps Sita, is the half-brother of Kubera a subtle reminder of the corrupting power of wealth. So the demon tells Rama to bury him because, as the Ramayana text says, that is the time-honored practice for demons. Eternal worlds exist for them who are interred in a pit. Well, at this point, Rama and Lakshman are only too happy to oblige, and they do as they are told, burying the demon in a deep pit covered with rocks. So we have seen how King Danda tries to seduce Sukutariya's daughter and gets destroyed along with his kingdom, and the Dandaka forest is cursed for the first time. Then the fake rishis slander Gotama and Dandaka forest is cursed again. Kubera curses the celestial mus- musician Tumburu, who becomes the demon Virada who spends his time eating the sages, wandering in the Dandaka forest until Rama arrives and buries him in a pit, thus freeing him. All of this is a precursor to the half-brother of Kubera, Ravana, stealing Sita from Rama and hiding her in Lanka. But in fact, Ravana is just the incarnation of one of the guardians of Vishnu, who had been cursed to endure three evil incarnations on earth in the form of demons. And this is just the smallest look at the Ramayana epic. But it's a lot of fun. No Hollywood or Bollywood writers could come up with a story so rich so convoluted and intricate as this. And this is a good place to stop for this week. So first, I'm going to play uh, Pahimam Sri Chandra. It's a beautifully sung song for Rama. And then that will be followed by an equally charming rendition of Hanuman Chalisa in praise of Hanuman, the monkey god who helps Rama regain Sita after she was stolen by Ravana. Thanks very much for listening. We'll see you next time.
1: Shri
2: Rama sārvabhauma sāketa rāma navya-charita-ananda-bharita pahi śrī rāma jaya rāma नशीले श्री राम रामो यज्ञ रक्षक दुष्ट शिक्षक पाहि श्री राम To Rama
1: चरण सरोज मुकुर सुधारी, I'm